You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Luke 14. The title of the message tonight is going to be Investing in the Next Generation. Brother Ruff, is this off? Investing in the next generation. Let's start reading in verse 1. We'll read verse 1 all the way through 24. Got a, uh, quite a bit of text, but keep up with me and we'll keep going there. All right, number one, or verse 1. And it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answered, spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace and answered them, saying, You shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit, and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day. And they couldn't into these things. For the parable to those which were when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee, and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee come, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Verse 12. Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou markest, or makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he, Unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one, one consent began to make excuse. The verse said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five oxen, or yoke, five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and, sh- and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, 
that my house may be filled. Let's pray. Family Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you that we're able to still come together to meet, to uh, worship you, dear Lord, in song and in uh, praise and in uh, <clears throat> we ask that you be with tonight, be with me as I preach the message, uh, give me the uh, clarity and allow me to have the clarity as well uh, that you gave to me in my study. I ask that you be with, uh, be with everyone here tonight, be with those who are unable to make it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our text verse tonight is going to be that in verse 23, um, and I really want us to focus on that word, compel. Look with me in verse 23 in the latter part. It says, go into the highways and hedges and compel them. That word compel means to drive or urge with force. However, that doesn't mean that we twist people's arms to get them to heaven. That means that we don't give up. We show them their need for a Savior and urge them to take action when they see the need for the Savior themselves. However, to win the next generation, we must be willing to compel, to re reach them, not only in going out to reach them, but also living a godly life so they can see it in you. So growing up, I can remember good meals. And there's those times when you go out to eat, and maybe it's to a nice restaurant or somewhere you've always wanted to go, and you remember those good meals. Maybe it was a fancy restaurant, or maybe it was a well-known restaurant. That's usually the best ones, right? There's the hole in the wall. The point is that it was somewhere that you didn't always go, so it became memorable. I believe in many ways that the teens, they're about to go off to youth conference, that youth conferences are kind of the same way. They're unique because they're big. They're memorable because they don't happen that often. They happen once a year. However, those special meals, those special conferences are not what nourishes us. Those meals that mom cooked for you, those messages that pastor preached, those lessons that your Sunday school teacher taught, those times when someone in the congregation went out of their way to talk to you. If we could say those home-cooked meals are what fed us and led us to where we are today. The meals, the messages, the lessons that you had day in and day out are the meals that kept you and fed you. The next generation doesn't grow just because one youth conference, one revival message, one ladies' conference. The next generation grows because of the day-to-day -day things that they learn and are taught from you and me. Just like the illustration about growing up, the next generation grows from things that are learned from the ones who may not be the first that come to our minds. So if I were to ask you, who had the greatest impact on witnessing and ministering to you? I think many of us would think back that to the traditional folks of your parents, your mom, your dad, aunts, uncles, brothers, maybe. 
your pastor, your youth pastors. But we cannot forget those who helped us along the way that were in our day-to-day lives. Those who were, so to say, just in our congregation. When you think of the word compelling, you might be thinking, I have to step out of my comfort zone. That seems like something that I have to strive to do. That seems like something I have to be loud. I have to attract attention of them. Although in many situations, yes, Christ will ask you to be uncomfortable, to witness to someone. It can also be simply or as simple as talking to someone before or after service. In a world that is so self-centered, showing someone that you just care with kind words or just a simple text saying, I prayed for you today. To invest, to compel the next generation, we have to have a mindset that I can be a help. I can be a help to someone. I can be a help to someone just as much as the pastor is, the youth pastor, the Sunday school teacher, just as anyone else in the ministry, I can be a help. As we go through this well-crafted story written by Luke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I encourage each of you and each of us to examine ourselves and to ask ourselves, how do I invest in the next generation? And before I lose some of you, it's not just about teens. When you think of the next generation, think about those who will be in the next generation. Not just the teens, maybe those you'll have an impact as grandparents on the next generation. In tonight's message, I have three points to bring out that I pray will be a blessing as we analyze how to invest in the next generation. Number one, if we're going to invest in the next generation, we must always be looking to help. Back in our passage, in verse 1 through 6, Jesus is going to show us what it means to help people, no matter where they are. Praise the Lord that we serve a Savior that always shows us in His Word how to do something before He instructs us to do it. Look at me in verse 1. And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. So in here, Jesus is invited to the chief Pharisee's house with the other Pharisees and lawyers. Many of the people here would be the top religious folks, the top religious leaders. As Jesus is walking with them, he sees a man mentioned in verse 2. Might I add here that even in the midst of just walking, Jesus was still looking to help. He always had a mindset to look for opportunities to help. Verse 2. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had dropsy. So, Jesus sees a man who has dropsy. We would refer to this as uh, edema 
which is the swelling of the body because of excess fluid. Verse 4. And they held their peace, and he took him and healed him and let him go. The Bible says they held their peace and looked at him. Uh, imagine with me. Could, could you imagine Christ asking you a question, and you just look at him? Uh, it's like, what do you do? It's like, duh. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I, can't, even, I can't even picture what, what they would have on their face. It's like, how, how do you give a blank stare? Could you imagine what's going through their minds? I'm sure they were thinking, well, I don't want to say anything. You say something. I'm not going to say anything. You say something. Because obviously they don't want to give the wrong answer. But no one wanted to answer. Perhaps of fear or in fear of what others might think. How many of us have come to that point in our lives where you didn't want to answer a question? in fear of, of what others might think of you. So, time out right here. Christian, if you're going to invest in the next generation, you're going to have to answer the tough questions. Questions like, why don't you go there? Why don't you drink? Why don't you go to church? Or why do you go to church? Why do you go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every time the doors are open? Why are you there? And ladies, probably one of the number one questions you get, why do you dress like that? Why do you wear a skirt? Why are you submissive to your husband? In a world where women are supposed to have all this power, why are you so submissive to your husband? We have to be prepared to answer those questions if we want to invest in the next generation. When that time comes, when we have to make the decision to answer, remain silent, I pray that we answer. Look at me back in the end of verse 4. Jesus took the man, healed him, and let him go. But before this point, the Pharisees and the lawyers at the event were watching Jesus. If you go back to up in verse 1, it says, they watched him. They were watching him to see what he was going to do, to see how he was going to act, to see what ways they could criticize him for what he was going to do. However, starting with verse 4 into verse 5, Jesus has now turned the tables and he's watching them. And he doesn't like what he sees. Verse 5. Jesus gives him a situation that to most folks would be pretty common sense. Look at me there. And answered them saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? If you have a donkey or an ox and it falls off into a pit, would you not? Right away, pull it out of the pit? Seems pretty common sense. That's essentially what he's saying here. If I see somebody that needs help, why wouldn't I help them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
The other thing he's saying is, let me tell you why your priorities are all wrong. Let me tell you why you're not willing to help those in need. He is telling them, you're so caught up in these man-made applications of the law that you fail to see someone in need. However, how many times in our lives have we failed to see someone? Maybe it's somebody at the grocery store. Maybe it's somebody at the mailbox. Somebody walking down the street. Anybody. But you just went on with your day because you were in a hurry or because you didn't have the time. How many times have we missed speaking to someone about Christ because we were such in a hurry to accomplish the day's taskings? You can't help the next generation unless you see them. Verse 6. After Jesus tells them this, again, they can't answer. Again, maybe possibly because they're the fear of what others might think, or maybe they just don't have an answer. I'm sure they don't have a good answer. This brings me to my second point. Number two, if we're going to invest in the next generation, we have to have humility. Verse 7, and he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them. So the word bidden or bid, I don't know if you noticed it several times when we were reading it, it actually occurs 10 times in this passage. So almost 45% of the verses in this passage contain the word bid or bidden between verse 1 and 24. That word bid or bidden is the past tense of bid, which means to ask, to request, to invite. That word will be important as we go through the message tonight. In verse 7, that word bidden is used to show that Jesus is about to talk to all those who were invited. Look at me in verse 7 again. He put forth a parable to those which were bidden. So put forth a parable to those who were invited. These people were actually asked to come here. So the Lord gives them a parable, a story of purpose to teach a truth. <clears throat> he sees how the Pharisees and, and lawyers act as they're, as they're merely choosing their seats or choosing their rooms. I don't know if any of y'all have ever had the experience of children, especially in mass quantities, and, and trying to get them to go somewhere, <laughs> maybe in a straight line, or just not chaotic. So this is kind of the same thing. It's, it's almost like opening the doors of the lunchroom when you have starving kids in the, in the hallway and, and asking them to walk and to stay in a straight line. It just doesn't happen. That's the same thing here. These people are, are pretty much flying to these seats, trying to make sure that they get to the front because they want to be in the most highest seats. They want to be in the best seats. Verse 8 through 11, Jesus starts the parable and he says, when thou art bidden, 
Jesus is telling those who are invited, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding or event, don't sit down in the best room, the highest room, the best chairs, because what happens if someone more honorable comes in the room? What if someone of higher ranking comes in the room? Isn't it going to look a little humiliating or isn't it going to look a little shameful of you if, if, if the person who invited you has to come to you and ask you to move because someone more honorable came into the room? Verse 10. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, and we, when he that bade thee come, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have fellowship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. So when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest chair, the worst chair. Pick the chair in the back of the room that nobody wants. How many times were that? We were told that as a child. <laughs> go sit in the back of the room. I don't want to sit in the back of the room. I can't see. But that's, the Lord is saying, choose the worst seat. Be humble enough to give somebody else that other seat. Wouldn't it be so much better for the one who actually invited you to come to you and say, friend, come sit at the higher seat. Being recognized by the one who invited you, wouldn't that give you better honor, better glory? Jesus is telling the invited guest, at this point, be humble. Stop thinking more of yourself than you really are. Let someone else have the better chair, the better room. If we're going to compel the next generation, we have to be, or have to have, humility. We have to go the places others won't go. We have to tell those who no one else will tell. Praise the Lord, we have a bus ministry. I know right now we don't get to do it because of the COVID-19, but praise the Lord, we have people humble and willing to work in the bus ministry. Praise the Lord that we have a humble church that supports the bus ministry and missionaries around the world so that they can go and tell those who we can't go. Look at me in the verse 11. Here's the wisdom is gained. So it says, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So that word whosoever, it's in another verse, very common verse, Romans 10, 13. So when the Bible says whosoever, it means anyone, everyone. So for if anyone exalteth himself, he shall be abased. That word abased is reduced to a lower state. They will be humbled. The Lord will make sure of it. Degraded, but he that humbleth himself will be exalted. 
Humility is the path to promotion in the kingdom of God. God is not interested in the proud, the haughty, the self-centered. God is interested in the humble, those who reach the lame, the sick, the blind, the maimed, and the poor. He's not interested in those who won't go. Let's bring us to the next point. Number three. If we're going to invest in the next generation, we must do it without the hope or need of restitution. Verse 12. <clears throat> the Bible says, Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again and recompense be made thee. So Jesus is still telling the parable. However, now he's moved on from the invited guest to the host. Notice that word again, bade. Jesus tells now the host of the event. The next time you have a dinner or a supper, don't call those you know. Don't call your family, don't call your friends, don't call your rich neighbor. Don't call those who can repay you. Jesus tells the host, the only reason you're hosting this dinner is because you invited those that can benefit you. If we're going to compel the next generation of Christians, we must be willing to go and invite, go and preach, and share the good news of Christ with those who can't benefit us. Those who can't pay us back. Those who can't return the favor. If we're going to invest in the next generation, we must do everything humbly and without expecting or knowing that we will get restitution. Our reward isn't heaven. Eternity. So when we sing that special, teach that Sunday school class, lead that children's choir, drive the bus, do the finances, teach the academy, play the instruments, control the soundboard, sweep the floors, mow the grass, we do all those things without expectation of restitution. If we're doing a ministry for a praise of ourselves and not for the praise and the glory of God, then it will be hard to invest or compel in the next generation. Verse 13. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. The next time you have a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame. Call those you don't know. If you really want to help someone without helping yourself, take your eyes off yourself and help someone in need. <laughs> Invest in the next generation by sitting with those you may not know. Talk with a stranger. Talk with those no one would ever talk to. Verse 14. And thou shalt be blessed, for they, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the, of the just. So 
Jesus is saying, if you're humble, if you're doing the things that don't benefit yourself, you will be blessed. Because they can't repay you, but your reward is in heaven. Eternity in view. I remember that was our theme one year for our church. And our biggest thing there was investing in eternity. When you make those decisions, when you think about things, does it really make sense or does it really matter in eternity? This brings me to my third point. If we're going to invest in the next generation, we must provide the invitation. Verse 15. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, kind of looking at this verse, it's, it's, it's obviously a Jewish man. He tells Jesus, well, we look forward to the day when the Messiah comes to have a great feast. It's almost like one of those things, like he's trying to clear the tension. It's like one of those... I think every room has one. Those people that kind of pop up at the last minute and just say these random things. And it's like, he's all of a sudden, he's like, you look forward to the day when the Messiah comes to have a great feast. Okay. (laughs) This man says, well, we all look forward to the Messiah, Messiah's literal kingdom. But in verse 16 through 24, Jesus gives another parable about the Old Testament and God's plan to bless Israel from the beginning and the covenant between God and Israel. Jesus tells them, the feast is already here. He starts the parable and is talking about the Jews and how they rejected the invitation as those did in the parable with many excuses. And then when you go to verse 21 through 24, Jesus moves the invitation. Look with me in verse, where is it out here? So verse 18 through 20, those are all the excuses that people give of why. Why they can't come to the invitation. But verse 21, so the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. So it moves from the invitation for the Jewish and Israel to we're now inviting the Gentiles. This is a picture of the church age we're now in and the realization by those going out that there's still room. Verse 22, And the servant said, Lord, it is all done and thou hast commanded, as, as thou hast commanded, and yet there is still room. There is still room in God's kingdom. This parable is a lesson to the church age that the invitation has to be given. There will be some who reject the invitation, but there are millions upon millions who will accept it. We cannot be discouraged or misled that soul winning doesn't work just because some reject it. We can't stop trying with that family member 
who just rejects it. The Bible says that some will reject the Lord, but we must still go with the invitation while there's still room in God's kingdom. To invest in the next generation, we must be willing to help with a humble attitude and without restitution. There are many in the world who are wanting for you to reach out to them, to care for them, to compel them. We must realize that there are friends, families, co-workers, strangers, the sick, the poor, the maimed, who will die and go to hell, but we don't tell them that Jesus has done all the necessary preparations and all they need to do is have the faith of a child and accept them as their Lord and Savior. The Bible states that we are to go out into the highways and hedges to spread the invitation of what an opportunity it is for Jesus to save them. And that the option is still available. But we also need to make them understand that there's a priority, there's an urgency. 2 Corinthians 6.2 For he hath said, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There has to be a priority behind the invitation. We are still in a position to compel the next generation. But that's not going to happen if we're not willing to help, if we're not humble, and if we don't continue the invitation. It is time to start investing in the next generation. Tonight, as I went through this message, <clears throat> who has God put on your heart? Maybe there's someone that you know personally. Maybe there's not. Maybe there's someone... Maybe tomorrow when you go to work, you have your eyes up. The Lord will lead you someone. Maybe the next time you're at the grocery store and you're standing in the line, of course, six feet apart, talk to somebody. Ask them how their day is. You'll be surprised. You'll get some strange looks. But invest, invest in the next generation. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.